It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking in zone, wide open, touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson! And it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown! Jones has just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent round. He'll hit immediately got the handoff. You know who that's? Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And we are doing 2022 Jets offseason roundtables. So I wanted to bring in my friend who I haven't talked to in a bit. It's been way too long. You may remember him. He used to do some weather reports for us on the pregame shows with the very big deal, Chris Nimbley. He's back to talk about the Jets offseason. He is the owner and founder of Empire Weather, well-known meteorologist Ed Valley. Ed, what's up, brother? How's it going, Scott? Long time no talk. Yeah, for real. I'm really excited to talk to you because... People may not understand how big of a Jets fan you are because you don't really talk about them on social media. You have to keep it to the weather stuff. But you and I text back and forth about the Jets, the draft, free agency, all of that. You're as into it as any Jets fan. So I'm really looking forward to hearing what you have to say about what the Jets should do in the offseason. But before we get to that, I want to ask you about what you think about 2021. And I want to start with the head coach, Robert Sala. This was his first year. Mike LaFleur comes in as his offensive coordinator, Jeff Ulbrich. They have the whole staff. What did you think of Salah year one and the staff that he put together around him? That's a good question, Scott. It's interesting because I think if you had asked me this question, say in week four, and then again in week eight, and then again now, I would have a different answer each time for his staff, especially. I think Salah himself is a leader of men, which is frankly what I was looking for when they were doing the coaching search a little over a year ago now. And, and it's really interesting because I think he's been okay. I I mean, he's been dealt a pretty rough hand, you know, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And then you toss in injuries and and it's been tough to really feel the team that's competitive. And, you know, there were a couple weeks in there, you know, especially while Wilson was out where frankly the defense just fell apart. And it was those games where I was a little bit more concerned with some of the leadership qualities and and how he was directing his staff to kind of stop the bleeding in those situations. But as we went along, I I think he, he found a way to get especially something out of the young secondary and, you know, with a rookie quarterback and and a lot of injuries on the offensive side of the ball, I, I think he did enough for me to not be upset with his, his job that he did. Uh, and especially the staff that he built, you know, Ulbrich, I think, um, you know, on the defensive side has certainly had his challenges similar to what we just talked about with Sala. But again, it comes down to how, how do they finish the year and, and how do they how the, the full body of work? And I think Ulbrich has a lot to prove going into 2022. I think he needs to really put that scheme together with Sala. And I know he was looking to make a few tweaks, you know, over the off season here and, you know, they need to make the most of the talent that they bring in this offseason. So I, I still have a lot to 
a lot to be desired with respect to uh, to Ulbrich. But on the offensive side of the ball, my goodness, Lafleur has been awesome. And again, similar to what I said earlier at the beginning of the season, he was a rookie offensive coordinator too. And as we pressed through the season, he was the epitome of what I wanted to see with respect to progress for this team. I think he, his play calling, his creativity was tremendous. And would I have liked to see some of the other offensive rookies take a, a bigger step under him? Yes. But I think him as, as a play caller has, has really matured just in one year. And I'm really excited to see what he can do here in year two and, and potentially even beyond that. You mentioned the talent they're going to have to bring in to keep this moving forward. And Joe Douglas is going to be the point man. Where are you at with Joe Douglas right now? A couple of my buddies have, have actually recently asked me this and they're, they're Raiders fans. They're Patriots fans. They're not, they're not Jets fans. They don't know the, the pain that we've had to deal with recently. <laughs> and, you know, Joe Douglas, again, kind of is an, was an incomplete going into this year. He came in at a really awkward time. He had his first draft and leading into the, this past year, I thought that initially looked okay. You know, I thought Becton had potential. He had a good rookie year. Uh, I thought Mims had potential as well, as we all know. And even some of the other guys in the middle to late rounds of that 2020 draft, you know, I thought Ashton Davis had some potential, obviously Bryce Hall as well. Um, but as we headed into this season and we got a second look at those guys, obviously Becton with the injuries, um, Bryce Hall has been a great find, but the other parts of that draft obviously have left a lot to be desired. Even Braden Mann, I, I think his, you know, I think Morstead outplayed him this year in a lot of cases. And so that, that first draft that Douglas had, I, I wasn't a fan of at this point. I still think we have some hope for Beckton. I think this year though, much better. And I, I'm, <laughs> I, I tell my friends, you know, I blame that first one on Adam Gase, <laughs> but in seriousness, I think the, the combination of Salah and uh, JD staff of scouting, and it has really come together here in, in their initial draft together and, and put some good pieces together. Really like uh, the Michael Carters, both of them, obviously uh, more, and we'll see about Wilson. But I think there, there are pieces there, even on the defensive side of the ball, you know, Pinnock and uh, Eccles played really well in, in different roles this year. Uh, so I think from a drafting perspective, I'll give them an incomplete. I think there's, there's a lot more I want to see. I think this year, as, as you've discussed on many episodes, this, this offseason is, is his most important by far. Um, so from the drafting side, I, I'll give him an incomplete. From a character-building, culture-building perspective, I like it. I think he's going after the, the high-character guys. I think he's going after players that want to be here who fill a specific role, whether that not, – not necessarily even on the field you know, like off, off the field, in the locker room, people who are um, like even Joe Flacco. I know people have joked and, and made that the butt of many jokes here after we traded for him. Um, I think he helped Wilson in the locker room more than people admit. Uh, I also think, you know, on the, on the waiver wire, he's done well, obviously JFM, Bryce Huff. So I think on that side of things, culture, uh, the waiver wire, he's done well. Trades, obviously he's killing it with trades. Uh, so I would maybe give him a B minus overall. If we can get a good draft in here and, and develop Wilson some more, maybe that can go up to a B plus or even an A minus, depending on how it goes. But for now, you know, it's hard for me to give him much, much more than a B minus considering um, they won six games in two years. And frankly, a B minus might be a little generous. Ed, since you mentioned Mackay Becton, how worried are you about him right now? 
I'm pretty worried. Um, so I understand he's, he's a big man. My, my wife is a doctor. She's, she's very familiar with, with that type of stuff. So I'll, I'll bounce something off of her every now and again. And he's a big man. It's going to take time to recover from any sort of leg or knee injury when you're 370 pounds. But what concerns me is, you know, and you can even tie this back to Sala in a, in a sense, this was supposed to be a four to eight week injury. And it was always, well, no, we have no update. We have no update. Oh, okay. He's on the, on the field with trainers, but not sure when he's going to play all of a sudden it's week 16. And, and we're asking if he, you know, the beats asking if he's even going to play. And then he finally concedes and said, well, it's going to take a miracle. So from that perspective, whenever a four to eight and in four to eight week injury lingers for 17 weeks, that certainly is a red flag, whether it's on the, just his shape, how, how much weight he gained during that period. I'm, I'm fully aware. I'm a bigger guy myself. I understand it's hard to, to work out and, and cut weight when you're a bigger dude and you're injured. I get that too. But from a, a discipline perspective, that's concerning to me. You know, I, if, if you're here to play ball, you're here to play ball and you need to do whatever it takes to be in the best shape you can be the best availability or the best. However, that saying goes, the, the, you need to be available. And it's something that I'm absolutely concerned about. I think the front office is also concerned based on some of the reports that have leaked out here of late. Um, And, you know, they're going to challenge him to be the best he can be for 2022, but you got to have insurance in case, you know, something happens, which it obviously happened. So definitely something that I'm concerned about. Makai Becton is going to be a huge piece for this team, both literally and figuratively going (laughs) forward, assuming that he's able to get back on track. But so is Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson is the most important on-field person that the Jets have. No question about it. So let's talk about him. He had his ups and downs, and that is a very mild way to put it. But a lot of people have taken solace in the fact that toward the end of the season, he really cut out the turnovers, and remarkably, he finished with as many touchdowns as turnovers, which early in the season, it didn't seem like would be possible. So let's dive in on him a little bit. What do you think about Zach Wilson's rookie year, and how do you feel about him going into year number two? It's interesting. I think, you know, I I think it's only natural for us as fans, especially to compare Wilson to Darnold in 2018. Right. And, and if you, if you compare them, Darnold, I believe played what 13 games that year. Um, And I believe that was what Wilson played this year as well. So I was a little disappointed in the production on the touchdown side for, for Zach. And, and I say that knowing that obviously towards the tail end of the season, there were talent issues on the offensive side of the ball. There were, you know, the competition was, was decent at times, but there were games there. You know, we played Jacksonville, uh, Miami twice. We played uh, Houston. So we played a lot of these teams that, that struggled and, and I wasn't too impressed. I mean, so I, I think you're exactly right there with, you know, the progression has been good. I think he's going in a better place. He's pointing in the right direction, but from, from my perspective and I'm a meteorologist, so it's I'm in my nature to be a little conservative and, and hedge, you know, away from, from ideal situations. But, you know, I think if JD does what he's supposed to do and, and builds around Zach, like they promised, there's no excuse for him to take a, a jump here in year two, because I, I was really not impressed. I mean, I, I think you were exactly right there when you said that the progression there especially on the turnover side has been great, but 
if you look at a season as a whole and you say, okay, you're going to play 13 games, I'd like to at least see 15 touchdowns, you know, maybe 17 touchdowns. And I know he had a few on the ground as well, but I would like to see the production side of things get a little bit better. And if he can keep that going with respect to the the lack of interceptions, I, that, that really did stand out to me as someone who, like you, who's watched really since Fitz in, in 2015, 2016 there, 2015. Um, that was the last time I, I watched a Jets game where a quarterback would drop back and I wouldn't be worried they were going to throw an interception. I felt like that the entire time Sam was here. I felt like that through about week 13 or 14 with Zach too. And it's, it's gotten better, but I think that we need to see that carry over into year two because just like with Sam, Sam ended the year great in 2018 against stiff competition. And obviously we know how that did not translate the following year. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. The Jets are going to have to add pieces offensively and defensively because, as you said, they've got to get better around Wilson, but they've got to get better on the defensive side of the ball too, Ed, because they had the worst defense in the NFL. So there are some players that are currently on the roster they might want to keep, some players from the outside that they might want to go after. Who do you like from the current roster that's a free agent? Braxton Berrios obviously is the popular answer that you think the Jets should hold on to. Who do you think they should say goodbye to? And then are there any players or even just positions that you think the Jets should specifically target in free agency? I think you, you bring up a good point there, Scott. You, you know, you can't, you can't do it all in, in free agency, but at the end of the day, you need to target positions that you can get better at. And I think number one has to be safety uh, in the free agency market because Marcus May is, is going to be what 29, I believe next year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not in the, you know, and, and I hope JD is not either, but I'm not in the business of re-signing someone who just had a serious injury. Who's going on 29. That to me just seems like a, a bad decision. And especially with respect to that position, when you're, when you're looking across the league and you know, what can be available as, as we move along. And, and honestly, there are quite a few safeties. Marcus Williams, um, I believe Jesse Bates from Cincinnati may be available. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, all of this is very hypothetical prior to tagging and, and all that good stuff. But, you know, from that p- perspective, you know, I think we should be attacking that position from the outside. And then I think tight end as well. I, I think tight end is a, a unique one because everybody and their mother is talking about Dalton Schultz. Do I think that the Jets have a great chance of landing Dalton Schultz? whether it's because he gets tagged or because he wants to go to an immediate contender or or a variety of reasons. No, I I don't think that it's realistic for the Jets to be banking on signing Dalton Schultz. I just don't. Um, So from that perspective, you know, I think it is important. We kind of take a look at the tight end market. You know, I know uh, maybe OJ Howard could be around. Um, but there, there's going to be, we're going to have to look a little deeper, maybe even bring back Tyler Croft as a tight end three. Um, so tight end and safety are definitely at the top of my list. And then internally, you know, on the O-line, I know people are thinking that, that Morgan Moses is going to be, uh, pretty expensive. I, I completely understand that. But like we mentioned earlier with Becton potentially not playing all 17 games here, uh, we need to go out and find insurance and depth on the O-line. And I think obviously free agency could be a good way to do that as well. Um, and then, you know, I, I think wide receiver, obviously Braxton Berrios, I would love to, to get him back, not just for his wide receiver five skill, but more for his special team skill. 
And then beyond that, honestly, I, I would let Jamison Crowder walk. He's he was a fine player. Is he a player that you know I, I think we couldn't replace, frankly, with similar production with Braxton Berrios? No, I, I think that's very doable. Um, so, but again, I, I could see uh, Keelan Cole walking. Uh, he's kind of a, a, a jag, if you will. Um, he had a couple nice plays here and there, but I was a little disappointed in him this season as well. Um, so there's quite a bit of stuff that you know. So safety, tight end. Um, some depth on the O-line and, and probably going out and getting a receiver or two as well, because this year was a really good example of what can happen um, when you don't have wide receiver depth. You're quickly on wide receiver four, five, and six before you can even blink an eye. Ed, you talked about getting a receiver, and there's obviously been a lot of buzz about some of these receivers that are high profile potentially being available. The three big names that you hear the most about DK Metcalf, the star receiver from the Seattle Seahawks, Calvin Ridley from the Atlanta Falcons, and Amari Cooper from the Dallas Cowboys. There's varying degrees of trade compensation that would have to be given up for those three, and then the contract situations are all different. So those are three possibilities that could come into play later on. You've got the draft as well, and as you and I were saying before we started recording, four picks in the top 38, they've got to make those count. So what do you think about potential trade possibilities at wide receiver? And then I know you've got plenty of thoughts on the draft. What do you think there? Any players that you're looking at specifically and what positions would you really be looking to improve in the draft? First things first on the trade front, I think everybody points to the bills and how they really helped out Josh Allen by trading for dicks, right? That was, that was the premier trade that really seem to, to help propel Josh Allen to the next level. So I'm all about adding weapons. I'm all about adding playmakers, but they have to be for the right pr- price and you have to know what you're getting. Uh, I think that's the big difference with that versus some of the ones you, you pr- just proposed. I mean, obviously DK would be fantastic. You know, I, I'm no, I am no draft expert. I am no scout. So with respect to the compensation, um, you know, with respect to DK, you can't, you can't, deny his production you know would i be willing to give up the 10th pick for him no (laughs) i I really wouldn't um but if there was something that was amenable to both sides would i absolutely love to have dk metcalf on my team sure 100 but with respect to people like calvin ridley that that to me is a little scary because he's a great player he really is and and i wanted him on the jets you know during that draft process you know with knowing that that wasn't going to happen but I've always rooted for Calvin and, and, you know, I'm a mental health advocate myself. And, you know, as much as that is, is should be front and center for him, you know, from a, from a team perspective, that has to be at the top of their concerns because the best availability is available. You need to be available. And if, if he's unsure as to where he's going over the next few years, you know, that, that is a liability as, as much of a great player he is. And, you know, people need to take mental health seriously. And, and from a team perspective, that has to be a negative for, for trading for someone like Calvin Ridley. So I would imagine that would have a pretty big impact on his, on his trade value as well. Um, so from that perspective, I would be open to making a trade if, if, if the opportunity presented itself. Uh, and I do, that's one thing I do trust Joe Douglas on is value in trades. I think he does a very good job with that. But at the same time, I think we could add quite a bit of talent through the draft. And, you know, I, I've seen Garrett Wilson comps uh, to Cal- Calvin Ridley, which I thought was interesting. 
Um, and I was actually at the Outback Bowl uh, on New Year's Day, Arkansas versus Penn State. So unfortunately, Traylon Burks didn't play. Mm-hmm. Neither did uh, Jahan Dotson. But either of those guys, I know more of the on the Burks side of things, a big, tall, lanky receiver who, who can make plays. I would love to see them go out and get uh, Burks from Arkansas. I don't know if I would take him at 10. But if, if there was a way I could sneak back into the backside of the first round or something and he was still available – that would be something I would I would definitely uh, take a take a stab at, but I, I think there's plenty of talent in the draft. You know, with that number ten pick, if we want to go that way, um, and then again, I think we we always have to be watching out for those types of trades as well. But I honestly, I think our you know our top three guys here, uh, you know, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, or I guess our top two guys for now, um, but we definitely need an, another playmaker, whether that's a tight end or a wide receiver, or frankly, both. I think we have absolutely have to be doing that uh, as we head into the uh, free agency period and then the draft. What else would you be looking to do in the draft? Any other positions or players that you'd be looking at? Defense, offense? Yeah, obviously, edge. We need edge. Um, and and again, I think it depends how the board falls. If, if Thibodeau or Hutchinson is there at four, you take them. Um, it's a posi- not only a position of need, it's one of those positions that is hard to fill and rarely do you get that top tier talent on the free agent market for a reason. So that would obviously be probably my number one um, side on the defense that, that I would go to and then cornerback as well, whether that's through the draft um, you know, there are a couple of really good options there in the first and second round in the draft, or if we got to go out and, and I, I don't think JC Jackson's going to be uh, necessarily loving to come to New York uh, to the jets, but I would look at him. That's going to be a hefty price tag, though. And then beyond that, I think tight end. You know, like I said, I think tight end, um, you can get, you can go after Dalton Schultz. That's great. But in the draft, there are quite a few uh, tight ends. And, and last time I checked, the Jets are going to get a pretty good look at them at the Senior Bowl. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, from that perspective, um, McBride and uh, what, what's the other one there? He's from Ohio State. Ruckert, I believe mm-hmm. his last name. Mm-hmm. Yep. So those those are the two I've heard the most about. And and the little tape I've watched on both of them, I am absolutely willing to take a high quality draft pick if it can help our young quarterback have an outlet during a, a pressure situation, which he seems to not have as often as he would have liked this year. So tight end definitely, edge definitely, and and then you know in the secondary we we got to hit cornerback as well. Ed, last question. You are a professional forecaster, so I want you to put your forecast hat on. Normally, yep. you're trying to figure out what the weather patterns are going to be, but I want <laughs> you to tell me what the pattern is going to be here for the New York Jets. Is it going to be a positive pattern or a negative pattern going forward? Forecast the Jets 2022 for me. Perfect. All right. Yeah, this is this is in my wheelhouse. <laughs> so yeah, it's very interesting. I think if, and this is all very, very, very subjective because it, a lot of this plays into how does free agency go? How does, how does uh, the draft go? But that's part of this projection. So, you know, I, I would like to see them take a stab at, at a, a high tier safety, um, whether that's uh, Marcus Williams, Jesse Bates, whoever they target as that I, we, we need one. Um, so that's number one on the free agency side of things. Uh, I would like them to target a, a tight end who that tight end is. We'll see. You know, I, I think obviously Schultz is going to be the one everybody is is trying to get after. But at the same time, you know, there's probably going to be a couple 
second tier options we're able to uh, attack as well. You know, CJ Ozuma from uh, Cincinnati. I, I, I really liked watching him throughout the season. Um, I've been a, a big Gerald Everett fan uh, for a while. I know he's in Seattle right now, but I would be willing to look at him. Um, Zach Ertz will be available. He'll be a UFA. So we'll see, but you know, there are a couple tight end options out there if we don't end up getting Schultz, but that's another p- position we need. So it's, it's, it's going to be a lot on the free agency side and, you know, maybe pick up a, a couple O-line pieces, you know, a wide receiver four or something like that. And then, you know, as we get into the draft, I would love to see one of those edges fall to them at four. And then at 10, you know, I could see them taking a, a top tier cornerback. I could, I could see them taking a top tier wide receiver. Again, I think that relates back to how does free agency play out. But my hope is that we solidify the edge and the, the, the D line, which obviously is a big part of Salah's um, approach. We, we got to fill the, an, another linebacker position after Gerard Davis leaves. And obviously CJ is going to be at the tail end of his contract. Uh, so a lot to fix there on the defense defensive side. But again, I think we have a couple good pieces. Uh, Eccles, Paul, Pinnock, um, and there's there's a few others that I'm missing there. Obviously, CJ. Um, so there, there, there's quite a few pieces. And on the obviously the D-line, we got Quinnen and, and JFM and uh, Bryce Huff and, and Lawson's coming back, which will be a big help. So there's, there's a few pieces we got to fill in there on the defense. And then on the offense, like I said, Need more playmakers, need tight ends like we need air. It is, it's been hard watching the Jets without a, a solidified tight end. Um, so that's really where I would go. And from a projection standpoint, you know, it's funny this past year, the way I do it is I have kind of a bust and a boom scenario. So my bust scenario this past year was four wins, meaning on the lower side of expectation. And my boom was eight wins with my expectation around six, which obviously we, we know how that worked out couple things went a different way. I think six was actually attainable. Uh, But for the year ahead, you know, looking at the the schedule we have and, you know, hoping that our rookies this year take that year two leap, I don't see why eight wins is is unrealistic. And again, a lot of this is dependent on how they actually work the offseason. But if if they're able to do what, frankly, I think they can do, I don't see why eight and nine, nine and eight is is out of the question here. And, you know, if Zach really takes a step, maybe nine and eight, 10 and seven, you don't know. I mean, so things can happen quickly in this league. You know, it's designed uh, for the bad teams to get better if they make the right decisions. And, you know, I think doubling our win total was great this year, but I think not only from a uh, fan expectation, but from a, a ownership and, and leadership expectation, I think we're going to have to be playing meaningful games in December for things to be going the right way. And I do believe we will be doing that, but I don't, you know, unless things go really well, I'm not, I'm not expecting playoffs at this point, but I would expect meaningful games in December. And, you know, if things go the right way, um, you know, maybe we can sneak in as a wild card. Ed Valley owner and founder of empire weather. Thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Always love talking jets with you. Can't wait to have you back on. Hopefully when you come back on the next time, We've got positive things to talk about. Right now, it's all based on hope. I'd like to be talking about positive results, so we'll see going forward. I'm hoping that your forecast turns out to bear some fruit. In the meantime, though, for people that want to talk to you on social media, check out your weather reports, or even just discuss the Jets with you, how can they do that? Yeah, I'm on Twitter all the time. My handle is at EdValleyWX. 
I'm talking weather. I do talk a little Jets. A lot of people get a little angry with me because not many people <laughs> like us are Jets fans, but I'm always on there, always looking to uh, communicate and collaborate. So hit me up if you want to talk some Jets. Make sure you check out everything that Ed's doing weather-wise and talk some Jets with him on Twitter. He's fun to discuss the Jets with, as you can tell. Also, make sure you check out everything we're doing over at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, has got some great videos up right now breaking down Dalton Schultz, who Ed talked a lot about at the tight end position. Should the Jets quote-unquote give Dalton Schultz the bag. Luke's got an all-22 breakdown for you, plus another tight end that I'm sure the Jets are going to get a really good look at at the Senior Bowl, Trey McBride from Colorado State. Luke's got a video on him. Traylon Burks, who Ed also mentioned, the receiver from Arkansas. We've got a video up on him as well, so check out our YouTube channel and subscribe if you haven't already. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's tee-public.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams, bless you, thank you shirt, the Zach Says Go Long shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, mugs, hoodies, it's all there, tpublic.com, that's tee-public.com, and give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.